Susan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jersey Joe. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. You got some good colors out there in Pennsylvania? Oh, still pretty gorgeous and some pretty warm temperatures yet. Hey, you've got a dog, right? Yes, I do. Did you uh, see the article where somebody was claiming that uh, dogs that have white names get adopted faster than dogs that have black, uh, non-white names? I don't want to say black names. They were non-white names. Did you see that story? I didn't see that article and I'm not sure about the names, but the color of the dog definitely has an impact on adoption rate. So October 1st is National Black Dog Day because black dogs are less likely to be adopted and most shelters will waive adoption fees for black dogs and even black cats. And that's, and I think that, well, I, I wasn't aware of that, but I think it's great that um, the organization belonged to is doing something uh, about that. But I just found it hilarious that I guess if you want to find racism, if you look hard enough, you can find racism wherever you want to find it. So anyway, unfortunately, that's very true. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the Jersey Joe show for those uh, first time listeners, it's uh, the situation with Jersey Joe. It's news and perspective. You won't hear on TV. You're going to hear some stories today that you probably wouldn't have heard about. You're going to hear some perspective on stories you may have heard about, but you may not have heard the whole story. Uh, my quote of the day is going to come from the late uh, playwright George Bernard Shaw on the curse of what he calls the curse of common sense. We're going to talk about how the federal government has given 300,000 cell phones to illegal immigrants and what that's costing us. On our science minute, we'll talk about powering electric cars with hydrogen. Um, a quick story on why, why there will never be another new oil refinery built in the United States. And then a big topic, we're going to talk about energy usage in the United States. Um, you know, all this talk about electrification. We've got cities now saying if you build a new home, you build a new apartment complex, you can't have any gas-fired water heaters, no gas furnaces, no gas stoves. It all has to be electric. So we're going to talk about uh, what electrifying the United States would uh, would require. We're also going to talk about the uh, how the Trump tax plan has impacted tax revenues uh, for those that are not aware, the U.S. runs a fiscal year, which means an accounting year that runs from October 1 of the prior year to September 30th of the current year. So we just finished fiscal year 2022. And back when the Trump tax plan was passed or all, you know, it had some substantial rate cuts for corporations and it, it, it cut some tax rate. Actually, it cut tax rates for almost all individuals. And there were these doom and gloom predictions about how the Trump tax plan was going to deepen the deficit and, and run up the national debt. So we're gonna talk about what actually happened. And our taxpayer relief story tonight, we're gonna to talk about a, about a customer in a, who walks who walks into a, a, a tobacco store that's in the middle of a robbery and how he winds up saving the lives of people. Does that sound like enough to fill up a half an hour? Jersey Joe, I never understand how you fit so much content in 30 minutes. <laughs> well, we may have to leave some things out, but here we go. Anyway. Quote of the day uh, by the playwright George Bernard Shaw. And his quote was, common sense is not a gift. It is a punishment because you have to deal with everyone who doesn't have it. What do you think? So you ever uh, dealt with people who don't have common sense? Couldn't be more true. <laughs> and you just shake your head and you get frustrated. And you, you, try, to, you try to use logic and reason with them. And then they come up with all these ridiculous reasons why, no, that's not true. You know, well, you you forgot about this. They've got whataboutisms. So anyway, um, anyway, so let's talk about a program that uh, Customs and Border Patrol, also known as ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, started a couple years ago. They would have a bunch of 
illegal aliens and they would in court dates, you know, particularly ones who say, yeah, I'm here seeking asylum. I want a court date. So you know, rather than have them hang around and, you know, put them up in housing, they decided to give them all smartphones. Now, Sue, what's a low end smartphone cost these days? Several hundred dollars. I, I think you're right. I think uh, about the cheapest one you can get is 200, 250. And of course they also had to give them a subscription service, you know, cellular service. Well, ICE decided to do that for 300,000 illegal immigrants. And by the way, I had this on the uh, the notes for last week and never got to it. Anyway, uh, so those 300,000 smartphones that they've given to illegal immigrants, and the, the, the deal was once a month, you need to take, you have to have your GPS uh, uh, geolocation turned on. You need to take a picture of yourself, a selfie, with your geolocation, uh, you know, embedding the, your your location date in the picture and send it to us once a month. Well, guess what? Less than half the people are doing that. But that program, which is a massive failure, is costing the U.S. taxpayers $360,000 a day. And for those who are not good at math, $360,000 a day times 365 days a year is, bing, 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 $114 million per year in taxpayer money. Uh, by the way, Susan, do you know if you're an illegal uh, immigrant and you don't have a driver's license or a U.S. passport, do you know you can get on an airplane? Uh, no, I didn't know you can get on an airplane. Yes, and you know what your form of what your acceptable form of ID to get on an airplane was if you're an illegal immigrant? Is it just a driver's license? No, they don't have drivers. Most of them don't have driver's license. When you are processed and released by ICE, they give you a, a document, what's called a notice to appear. In other words, it's a you've been scheduled for a court date, notice to appear. Or it might even be, here's your notice to appear with an unspecified date, we'll contact you. But your notice to appear is a acceptable document to TSA. So if you're an illegal immigrant, you have no driver's license, no passport, no birth certificate. But if you have a notice to appear in front of an immigration judge, TSA will accept that to let you on an airplane as proof of your identity. How about that one, huh? And yet we have to take off our shoes and <laughs> give a pint of blood and show three yeah. forms of ID. And by the way, um, uh, I think in the last 12 months, they've apprehended 90 terrorists coming across the border. I think in uh, the last year of Trump's term in office, it was six. So we've gone from six to 90 in terms of, uh, by the way, the total number, they, they um, apprehended 2.3 million uh, illegal immigrants. And in addition to 2.3 million, they estimate, you know what a gotaway is? No, I do not. A gotaway is where they see you. They have these night vision cameras. They get the drones, the helicopters, the cameras. Um, ICE estimates that in addition to the 2.3 million that were apprehended and processed, that there, there was another 600,000 gotaways, which came across the border without being apprehended. So 2.3 plus 6 million, we're basically talking 3 million illegal immigrants entered the U.S. last year. And by the way, even though the newspaper refers, the uh, TV news refers to them as, quote, asylum seekers, we already, we already talked last week about what it takes to qualify for asylum, and the vast, vast majority of the people coming into the country are not don't qualify as asylum seekers. And plus, you don't start that process by illegally entering the country. If you want to seek asylum, you do that by presenting yourself to a uh, uh, official border crossing and say, I, I wish to seek asylum. That's how you do it. You don't do that by wading across the Rio Grande River and then declaring that you're seeking asylum after you've been apprehended.
All right. So, Sue, have you uh, heard about any any vehicles being powered by hydrogen? Uh, no. How about vehicles being powered by nitrogen, by uh, natural gas? Yes, as a matter of fact, our city uh, bus fleet, the entire fleet, is 100% condensed natural gas. Right. So hydrogen is like natural gas, only better because it's it's pure. By the way, natural gas is basically methane. And methane is a very, very is, is cleaner than gasoline, but still methane is a combination of hydrogen um, hooked on to carbon. So when you do burn methane, it, although it's a very, very clean fuel, in addition to um, water vapor, by the way, when you when you start your car in the winter, ever notice water dripping out of the tailpipe? Yes, I do. Well, when you burn uh, when you burn uh, hydrogen, hydrogen combines with oxygen. And what's the chemical formula for water? H2O. Right. So one of the byproducts of, of uh, burning a hydrogen-rich fuel is H2O. We get water. But with methane, because there's carbon as part of the, the natural gas or methane, you also get carbon dioxide. The beauty of pure hydrogen is that there is no carbon. So when you burn hydrogen, the only thing you get is power and water. So, but here's the twist. Now, there have been attempts, there's been prototypes in the past where they've substituted hydrogen, uh, which is not widely available, but you know they've taken internal combustion engines and they've substituted hydrogen for methane or natural gas. And the car runs just fine on pure hydrogen. But here's the, here's the twist. Um, ever heard of a fuel cell? Yes. A fuel cell, for the listeners who've never heard of, a fuel cell is an interesting gizmo. You put a hydrogen-rich fuel, um, like natural gas or pure hydrogen, into this device, and through an electrical chemical reaction, the fuel cell, with no moving parts, converts that hydrogen into electricity. So what they're now doing is a hybrid electric vehicle where hydrogen is the fuel, but there is no engine. They run the hydrogen through a fuel cell. The fuel cell then converts the hydrogen to electricity. And then they use the electricity that's being generated by the fuel cell to run electric drive motors, just like on a Tesla that run the wheels. So it's an, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting and innovative approach to where you have hydrogen as a fuel, but the car is, run, is, is, is the power source is electric motors. Um, and all I you see is for you. I'm sorry. Hi, I have a question because hydrogen by itself is highly explosive. Well, so is natural gas. So yes, it's high. Yes, it's highly. It, yeah, it's incredibly explosive. More so, more so than natural gas. Um, but if you could find a way to safely um, store hydrogen in a vehicle, and again, the safety concerns. What if there's an accident? You know, by the way, that was what happened with the Hindenburg, by the way. The Hindenburg was a hydrogen-powered blimp. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And it and it burned in, you know, 30 seconds, you know, and, and I forget how many people died. That was down in Lakehurst, New Jersey. But yes, hydrogen is incredibly flammable, but so is, so is natural gas. So, but anyway, so it's an interesting approach where instead of run, using hydrogen to run an internal combustion engine, you run hydrogen through a fuel cell. And the fuel cell produces electricity, which then powers electric powers electric motors that make the wheels of your car turn. Anyway, that's going to be interesting. And these cars, when they go down the road, the prototypes, the only thing coming out of the tailpipe is water, <laughs> water vapor. Now, 
I'm going to flow into the next one. And these two are going to be a segue to one of my big topics, which is going to be energy usage. Um, the other day, a bunch of oil uh, company executives met with our uh, Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Grantham, and they basically told her that there will never be another oil refinery built in the United States. And why that's important is uh, this summer we were running at 94% capacity on our refineries. In fact, the refineries became the bottleneck in terms of getting gasoline to market. And I'm, I'm sure I'm in your lifetime, so I'm sure you've read about refinery explosions, refinery fires, um, I, I believe. Would that be a good assumption? Yes. So, you know, we are we are so close. And by the way, you can never get 100% capacity because refineries need to occasionally take various units offline for maintenance. You can't run this stuff flat out 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You need to take parts of your refinery offline to do periodic maintenance and shutdown. So running them at 94% capacity this summer was nothing short of amazing. But if we get even the slightest hiccup uh, in, our ref in one of these refineries, it uh, doesn't matter how much oil we're producing, we're going to be in tough, tough shape because we we won't be able to convert that crude oil into gasoline and diesel fuel and jet fuel. Um, anyway, this in this meeting, the U.S. Uh, energy company executives uh, told her something that she probably wasn't aware of um, and she didn't want to hear. But uh, right now, there is a, a large refinery that was shuttered a couple of years ago. And they told her that not only will that shuttered refinery never be restarted, there will also never be a new refinery built in this country. And the reason for that prediction, the global shift away from fossil fuels and the administration's energy policy, which includes Biden repeatedly promising to, quote, end fossil fuels in this country. And here's a quote from the link stories from the link story. Shuttered refineries are unlikely to start back up in the latest nail in the U.S. refinery, cough, uh, refinery coffin. coffin. Uh, Chevron CEO Mike Worth posited that there would never be a new refinery built in the United States. And here's his logic. Building a refinery is a multi-billion dollar investment. It may take a decade from planning to operation. We haven't had a refinery built in the United States since the 1970s, which was more than 50 years ago. My personal view is that there will never be another one rebuilt in the United States worse at a time because oil and gas companies would have to weigh the benefits of committing capital 10 years into the future with the, with the uh, demand for those refined products uh, and whether or not that would offer ref a return to shareholders in a policy environment where governments around the world are saying we don't want those products in the future uh, is a highly risky endeavor. So he's basically saying, hey, we would have to be insane to risk $100 billion to start construction on a refinery that 10 years from now, when it's ready to start producing, no money, uh, no money may want what the refinery is capable of producing. And, and I can't blame them. Would you, would you, if you were the CEO, would you, would you invest, commit to spending $100 billion to build a refinery? No, not producing. at all. But the the sad truth, though, is as we both know, is that we do not have the infrastructure to not rely on fossil fuels, at least not now, and probably not in ten years. You must have gotten my check because that's the exact segue I was going to use. Sue, was that? <laughs> <laughs> I swear this was not planned. <laughs> well, that's the segue. Um, so that's exactly what I was going to talk to next because the the two are actually linked. So. 
we, we, we talked briefly a couple of minutes ago about the push in, in like San Francisco and places where, and even in Boulder, Colorado now, they're saying, hey, in fact, they had a huge fire this summer in Boulder and they burned down out of 300 big homes. And the state has told all these homeowners who are trying to rebuild their homes, oh, by the way, you can't, uh, all your appliances, your water, your electric, your water heaters, your furnaces, your stoves, all have to be um, electric. You can, no more, you can no longer have any gas appliances. And that's going on around the country in city after city. Portland and Seattle uh, are, are places like that. You're basically saying no. And, and this is also applying to new stores, um, you know, Best Buys, Walmarts, Targets. By the way, when you go into a, a, a Walmart in the middle of January, do you know what's keeping that store warm? Uh some sort of HVAC system, but I couldn't tell you what it runs on. They're all gas. On the roof of all those stores, you'll see these brown boxes on the roof. If you've ever seen an aerial, if you go do a Google shot, you'll see 15, 20 brown boxes on this, each one about the size of a large desk on the roof. Each one of those is a gas-fired furnace, and that's what's keeping those stores warm in the winter. Well, uh, those same cities are saying, hey, if you build another store, same thing in strip malls, by the way. You go into your Starbucks or whatever, it doesn't matter, Starbucks, Dairy Queen, it's all gas-fired furnace on the roof, a gas-fired heater. They're saying no more of that. We want you to convert. But I'm looking at a chart that you've probably never seen and probably can't see that looks about energy consumption by source. And this is not just electrical. This is total. If you add together what we consume in terms of electricity plus what we burn in uh, furnaces and water heaters, and plus what cars, what transportation, and by the way, trains, most trains are, are that transport coal. You've seen these big mile-long trains with the shipping containers on them. They're runoff diesel. So if you take total energy consumption, which the U.S. Energy Administration has done, and added it up, um, electricity <clears throat> only accounts for 35% of the total energy used in this country which means the other 65% is coming from natural gas, oil, uh, liquid gas in your cars, diesel fuel, jet fuel. Um, and by the way, when you produce electricity in a generating plant, only 55% of that energy ever makes it to the wall socket. Uh, you ever see the birds sitting on the wires in the wintertime? That's because yes. those wires are warm. Keep their little feet warm. <laughs> Keep their little feet warm because when you... When you transmit electricity over long distances, uh, you have what's called line and transmission losses. Those substations, if you could take an infrared picture of a substation, the ones inside those big uh, cyclone fence cages, you'd see they're all glowing warm. So anyway, so a third of our a third of our energy use is your electricity. So what's it going to take to get the other two thirds, which is all the home heating, all of the vehicles in this country? What's that going to What's that going to take? Well. Uh, when you add all those other energy needs together, um, uh, I'm going to skip ahead here. By the way, nuclear uh, is only responsible for 18.9% of our electrical power. Um, Non-electric fuel usage, such as powering vehicles, accounts for 58% of our current energy consumption. So if tomorrow we were to convert every vehicle, airplane, furnace, stove, water heater, and industrial heating or drying process to an electric powered alternative. And by the way, industrial process, when you buy uh, uh, frozen vegetables or you know canned goods, 
All that stuff has been processed using natural gas heat in a, you know big ovens. The loaf of bread you bought, uh, industrial oven, pizza in you know gas ovens. Um, anyway, it would require that we we increase our current electric generating capacity by more than two hundred percent. And why more than two hundred percent? Because of transmission and line losses. Again, if, if you're only going to get 55% of what you produce to the house, then you have to you have to overproduce to make up for the line losses, which by the way, those line losses contribute to global warming because it adds heat to the atmosphere. Now, uh, so we would need to increase our current power generation capability by at least 200%, which is three times our current generating capability to eliminate the use of fossil fuels by vehicles and businesses. That would drop our current wind and solar capability from 12% of all power generation to just 4% of what we need. Without additional nuclear power, that 4% would have to increase by, wait for it, more than 2,000% to 80% of all electrical power generation to achieve a zero fossil fuel electrical economy. But wait, there's more. Is the substation in your neighborhood, the power lines running down your street, the transformer on the pole outside your house, or the circuit breaker panel in your basement sized to handle a more than 100% increase in the power usage? The answer is a clear no. Definitely not. That means even if the U.S. could create and generate that additional, uh, create that additional generating capacity, virtually every power line, substation, pole transformer, an electrical panel in this country would have to be upgraded and or replaced in order to handle the transmission and delivery of that 200% increase in additional electrical power. But wait, there's even more. If you generously assume that wind and solar can only produce close to their rated power output 50% of the time, because little to no power is generated by solar panels when it's dark or cloudy, and zero for wind turbines when the wind isn't blowing or blowing or blowing too fast. By the way, Wind turbines have to shut down when the wind's blowing too fast. By the way, you ever get a day or two, Sue, where you live when it's uh, cloudy and snowy and there's no wind and then and there's no sun? Uh, pretty much every day in January. <laughs> well, guess what? If you're if you're depending on wind and the solar, uh, you have to have uh, some sort of uh, backup power. And if you're looking at battery, do you know you live out in where State College in Pennsylvania? You know how big of a, a battery you'd have to have to, to power State College for a day? Oh, it, it would be monstrous. Figure about the size of an aircraft carrier. And by the way, where would we get the minerals and uh, to make a battery that big? And not just for State College, but for every every city in the United States. So, so anybody, including politicians, who tell you that we can achieve a zero carbon emission economy in your lifetime clearly doesn't know what they're talking about. And if you know anybody who believes this, believes that, can consider sharing this uh, analysis with them. And I can post this on the Jersey Joe website. And all right, so how much- What what? What, ma what is in all of these batteries, but lithium, which it's is lithium. Found, right. found in very few places on earth. Correct, primarily in China. So you basically, you, you would be putting uh, the economic fate of the United States in the hand of China, which is no friend of the United States. All right. So how are we doing on time? Sue?
Uh, we're at uh, 25 minutes. You have about 10 minutes left. All right. Then I'm going to move on to a really big topic. Back in uh, two late 2017, uh, Trump and the Republicans proposed a, a new tax plan that would uh, reduce corporate tax rates from 35% down to 21%. And they, they shaved a couple of points off everybody's tax bracket. Um, and all the liberals, oh, no, you're going to ruin the country. We're going to go deep into debt. The deficits are going to skyrocket. The national debt's going to run out of control. And the, the there's a nonpartisan committee called the Joint Committee on Taxation, which is staffed by career bureaucrats. They're lawyers, they're CPAs, they're accountants. They're neither Democrat or Republican. Their job is to just what they do is called scoring various tax proposals. Well, when they scored his tax plan in late 217, here was their conclusion. And by the way, before I get to their conclusion, you'll hear people like Bernie Sanders saying and AOC saying Trump did a two trillion dollar tax giveaway to the to the to the uh, to the wealthy. Well, first of all, everybody benefited. But the implication people believe the two trillion was per year. No, that number not only wasn't a two trillion, that was a 10 year total. So even if somebody says, well, it was a $2 trillion tax giveaway, even if you accept that, uh, that analysis, it was only $200 billion per year times 10 years. But here's what the Joint Committee on Taxation estimate that enacting the Trump tax bill, uh, they said it would reduce revenues over a 10-year period by $1.4 billion over a 10-year period, um, uh, leading to an increase in deficit. Now, Keep in mind that the Joint Committee on Taxation was required to use what's known as a static forecasting model that did not allow them to include any potential tax revenue benefit resulting from any economic stimulus that might arise from those cuts in tax rates. The Trump and the Republicans said, hey, if we cut rates, we think that it'll stimulate the economy. And because you put more people back to work, more people working, they go from being an unemployed net tax receiver to employed net taxpayer. But the Joint Committee on Taxation was not allowed to, to uh, take any of that potential increase uh, into account when they were scoring the plan. So now that we're five years into the Trump tax plan, which took effect on January 1, 2018, and we just concluded fiscal 2022 on September 30th, um, if you take a look at that 10-year 1.438 decline uh, and that $143 billion per year, uh, and here's what happened to those expected tax revenues. Using the static forecasting model and applying the 1.47 rate of growth to the fiscal 2017 base year, which was the last year of the Obama uh, tax plan, and compounding that growth, growth rate annually, tax revenues for fiscal 2022 would have come in at $3.56 trillion and a five-year tax revenue total of $17.3 trillion. And that doesn't include any potential reduction for the COVID year. Now, if you were to include the predicted loss of $1.43 billion per year that associated with the Trump tax plan, that predicted five-year total would have fallen by another $719 billion to only $16.6 billion or trillion over the past five years. And what actually happened? Well, FY 2017 was a blend of three months of the old Obama tax plan, October to December, and nine months of the new Trump tax plan. Tax revenues for that plan did come in $35 billion lower than the continuation of the old Obama tax plan would have yielded. 
Uh, I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, 2019, the Trump tax plan blew past what the Obama plan was. 2020 was the pandemic year, and there was a small drop. But then we get to fiscal 2021. In 2021, we're still under the tax, the Trump tax plan. Tax revenue soared by $626 billion to a new all-time record high of $4.04 trillion, which was wait for it, an 18.3% increase over 2020 and $532 billion higher than predicted if the old Obama tax plan had been left in place. And then we get to this fiscal year 2022 that just ended on September, September 30th. Tax revenues again soared by another $850 billion to another, to another new all-time record high of $4.9 trillion uh, bringing the five-year fiscal total tax re revenues under the Trump tax plan to $19.1 trillion, which is $1.8 trillion higher than the five-year predicted tax revenues had the old Obama tax plan been left in place. And again, under the old Obama plan, we would have expected 17.3. So instead of 17.3, we get $19.15 trillion, uh, which is which is... 1.8 trillion higher. And how about corporate tax revenues? Remember the biggest cut was the cut in corporate tax rates from 35% down to 21%, which was a 40% decrease in their tax rate. Well, in 2017, corporate tax revenues were 297 billion. For fix, fiscal 2022, that figure had grown. Remember, they cut the rate by 40%. Tax revenues have grown by 43% from 297 billion to 425 billion. Not bad for a 40% reduction in corporate tax rates. So is the Trump tax plan responsible for increasing the national debt by more than 6 trillion over the past years? Which it did, by the way, uh, but primarily because of COVID spending, the CARES Act, the all the various uh, unemployment, the $1,400 checks. But no, uh, because tax revenues have now set a couple of new record highs, Without the increase in tax revenues attributed to the Trump tax plan, the increase in the national debt would have been even higher. It would have been 1.8 trillion higher. So instead of six trillion, it would have been 1.8. So there you have it, another liberal myth crushed by facts and data. The Trump tax plan didn't is not responsible for the six trillion increase in national debt over the past five years. All right, we got time for taxpayer relief, Shatsu? Yep, you have just about five minutes left. All right. I'm going to, you know, um, for those who don't, uh, taxpayer leave shot, we call him that because when a good guy with a gun shoots a bad, shoots and kills a bad guy with a gun, it saves the, uh, the taxpayers the cost of a trial. And if you, the guy gets convicted and has to go to jail, it's 60 to $80,000 a year to keep in jail. If he gets out in parole, then there's, you know, you have to sign parole on the ankle monitor. And anyway, it's, it's, you can't put a thug in jail for less than a hundred thousand. And if he's in jail for five years, it's, it's half, it's, um, uh, half a million dollars. So we talk about these, but I'm going to let the sheriff of uh, Santa Rosa County, California, uh, explain why we call them taxpayer relief shops. And here we go, the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, California. Somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. And for those that have ever heard, I'm going to play sheriff, I'm going to play the sheriff again. Somebody's breaking in your house. You're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. 
And surprisingly, there's another sheriff in, in um, Florida called Sheriff Grady Judge, uh, Grady Judd, Grady Judd rather. And with the hurricane and the looting that was going on, Grady Judd, um, here's, oh, let me back him up. And this is Sheriff Grady Judge, also from Florida, talking about the looters in California. Here we go. Would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. So were you able to hear that okay? Yes, I was. <laughs> grated cheese is an interesting analogy. Yeah, I thought he might have meant to say Swiss cheese, but hey, grated cheese works for me. All right. This one's a little confusing. It's about a guy in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, he's a customer at a tobacco store. A guy comes in with a gun. And let's see if I can get this to play here. I may have to. Here we go. Well, hang on. Got to let the ad play out. We got a five second ad. Here we go. A shopper held at gunpoint shocked everyone when he fired back, killing the suspect. That was one in ricochet, and there's one right there. Bullets flying at this Greensboro convenience store on Summit Avenue Saturday morning. It was a crazy situation, like, you know what I mean? The panic. Police say 18-year-old Malik Harris walked into NC Tobacco with a gun and tried to rob the place with customers inside. The store's co-owner wasn't there at the time, but he spoke with a clerk who was. The guy came in and put the gun on all the customers, made everyone come back here. Like I go point, everyone came back here with their hands up. Terrified and fearing for their lives behind the register. That's when another unsuspecting customer walked into the store. He went out to get the old lady. Um, grabbed her by the neck, brought her back here on gunpoint. One customer behind the glass, taking advantage of the distraction, pulling out his own weapon. And he just shot it as soon as he came back. What the old lady, he shot him like four or five times. The shopper shot the suspect, ending the attempted robbery. I don't know who it is. The guy he left, uh, didn't get to talk to him yet, but... Uh, I guess I had to owe him a, a, a thank you. Police arrived, EMS rushing the suspect to the hospital, but he died from his injuries. I don't know. I wish it could have ended up differently, you know what I mean, personally, because I don't want to see an 18-year-old kid die, you know what I mean? He's just, he didn't even start his life yet. The entire ordeal lasting less than a minute. Where Bro, it happened in like 45 seconds, like 30 to 45 seconds. So, Sue, what do you think of that one? I, I always like to see the good guy win. Yeah. And by the way, for those who are confused, what happened is the good guy with the gun went, was one of the guys with his hands up. And then an old lady came into the store in the middle of the robbery. And the bad guy went to grab the old lady. When he went to grab the old lady, that's when the good guy who had the gun reached down under his jacket and pulled out his gun and, and shot him when he came back. But the old lady, he was dragging her by the hair. So that's what happened. Anyway, I'm, I'm guessing we're almost out of time, aren't we, Sue? Uh, yeah, you have just about a minute left here. All right. Well, then I want to thank all of you who listen to the podcast for giving up 30 minutes of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about things I find of interest and importance. Um, if you want to find any of these things, I try to get them up with Sue's help on the Jersey Joe um, uh, website. Uh, some of the links I'll put up there, including some of that energy stuff. Um, and if you want to see some of the material, you'll find them on jerseyjoe.com. That's Jersey with a Z, J-E-R-Z-E-E, -E -E, jerseyjoe.com. If you want to send me an email with any questions or you want to me to email you a copy of some of the materials, just email me at joe 
at jerseyjoe.com, J-E-R-Z-E, joe.com, and I'll be happy to mail you hard copies of anything I talked about today. And that's all I got. Sue, anything you want to add before we close? Nope. Enjoy the warm weather while it still lasts for the rest of the week. All right. You too, Sue. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. Thank Bye-bye. you.